Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. I love the privilege of sharing God's word with you. And we are continuing our uh, 2020 theme solid and we're learning biblical foundations for strong disciples right come on somebody tell me what we're doing this year and what it does to us that's awesome come on let's say it even stronger ready practicing god's word makes me strong and this month right this month we have been uh, started last Sunday. We're going to continue today in the next couple of weeks with our series on discipleship and leadership. And the title of this month's series is, come on, turn to somebody, but, but behind you and say, follow me. Wait, no, 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 not me, Jesus. Follow Jesus. I aim to follow Jesus so that you could follow me like you follow Jesus, right? But follow Jesus. Um, last Sunday, we had a good time with rotten underwear. How many of you enjoyed that? If I was the only one, I know I enjoyed it. But we learned last Sunday in Follow Me, part one, we started learning about discipleship that the rotten become righteous when we follow Jesus. That's right. We also learned that the heart of our mission here at Encounter Church, it's right in the middle of our mission statement, reach disciple revive our heart is to help you follow jesus more than anything else we have a heart for a lot of things we have a vision that is big way bigger than us but the heart of 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 who we are and what we do is just to help you follow jesus right and we also learn we started learning about what disciples do we learned that disciples listen to jesus disciples Cling to Jesus like your underwear cling to you, right? Hopefully. And we learn that if we cling to Jesus and we listen to Jesus, our life will honor Jesus. That's right. It'll, it'll look like Jesus. It'll honor Jesus. So disciples listen, disciples cling, and disciples honor. And today as we continue in our Follow Me series, the title of today's message is Best Practices. Best Practices. Now, we're going to take a look at what I consider, okay, and this is from my, it is from what I see in the Bible, but even more than that, it's what I have seen in my own personal experience and the experience of others, what I consider, not a full exhaustive list because that would take a long time, but three of the very best discipleship practices this term best practices how many of you know what best practices actually means how many of you have ever heard the term best practices i learned this term when i was working with caleb and julian back in vita group back in 2015 best practices okay so if you're not familiar with the term best practices best practices is a business term that refers to a set of specific behaviors and procedures that set apart your average or good business from the very best of the best of the best businesses, right? Best practices are those specific, it's just, and it's just a few of them, right, in, in each business, if, if they have best practices. 
The, the, the three or four things that they do, like, better than anybody else that makes their business or their organization not just good, but great. The best, right? That's what best practices are. Can anybody think off the top of your head of a best practice business or a best practice organization? You took mine. <laughs> Anybody think of some best practices that you could just shout out to me? Or a best practice business? Delta, Amazon, Chick-fil-A, what else? Rather you like those businesses or not, that's fine, okay? But that's, that's not the point. But there are businesses and organizations that stand out as being like at the top of the line, the best of the best. There's good businesses, there's average businesses, and then there are those that just stand out, right, as the best. Now, I was thinking this week um, about Chick-fil-A, and I'm not here to endorse Chick-fil-A. I actually think, personally, the food at Chick-fil-A personally is average. Oh. <laughs> you agree, all right. I like it. You know, I prefer Chick-fil-A over many other fast food chains. Not to mention <clears throat> any of them. But this is not an endorsement of Chick-fil-A, but let me, let, me get you, let me just tell you this. Chick-fil-A, more than being known for its chicken, is known for its best practices. Okay? Okay? What are Chick-fil-A's three best practices, all right? Let me, let me just tell you. One, the first best practice that Chick-fil-A has is their customer service. It's not what you want, Right? What? You don't drive up to the drive-thru or, or what? May I take your order? No. What do they say? How may I serve you? All right. And then when they serve you, if you happen to say thank you, they say my pleasure. And even if you don't say thank you, they say my pleasure. Like, your pleasure for what? I don't know. I just say my pleasure because that's what we do. I find it funny, I was, I was talking to, to Brandon this past week, we were talking about Chick-fil-A and other places, that I've been to other stores recently, and they say, my pleasure, and it's like, no, it just, it just doesn't work for you, because you don't have the, it doesn't have the same feeling behind it, right? Another, uh, the, oh, another one of Chick-fil-A's best practices is their drive-through experience. You know, you don't just drive through, you get come to right? You don't just get in a long line and wait. They come to you and take your order. And so, I, and, I, and I would say their third best practice is, is that it is truly fast food. It really is. I mean, it's like they had your food ready before you even took, they even took your order. It's fast, okay? So all of that to say, again, I'm not endorsing or bashing Chick-fil-A. I would say, let's go eat at Chick-fil-A today, but you know, Closed on Sundays. You're my Chick-fil-A. All right. See, I don't know about you, but I don't just want to be an average disciple of Jesus. I don't just want to be a good one. I want to be a best practices disciple. I, 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 want, to, I want to be the best of the best, not to be better than, but because he deserves it. He deserves me to follow him in the best of the best way. And so there are, there are so many, and, and listen, 
I'm sure you do too. I don't think there's anybody in the house this morning or anyone watching online. By the way, good morning, everybody watching online. I don't think there's anybody listening to this message that's just like, yeah, I'll just, you know, I'm fine with just being an okay disciple of Jesus. You know, he just went to the cross. I'm I'm fine just being a, a good one. I think everybody wants to be a great disciple, a great follower of Jesus. Specifically, let me speak to all you dads in the house and all you dads watching. I know all of us that are dads, we want to be a great disciple of Jesus because we are a pattern, right? We're a pattern for our children and others to follow. And so today I want to go over what, according to my observation, again, in my experience, what I consider three of the best practices of the very best of the best disciples. Who wants to be a best practices disciple in the house? All right. The first one. The first one. I don't even have to tell you. If you've been to Encounter Church for any short length of time, you know number one is daily Bible reading. Daily Bible reading, right? We say it almost every service, maybe every other service, but you guys, for the 700... And 77th time, reading your Bible on a daily basis will help you not only become, but remain a healthy disciple. Because we don't want to just be healthy, good disciples, great disciples. I want to be a great disciple a year from now and 10 years from now. And, and, and hopefully the Lord lets me live 50 years from now, right? I want to start and end and remain a good, great, healthy disciple. We talk an awful lot about daily Bible reading. We've done a whole series and messages on it. So I'm just going to give you two quick thoughts about the best practice we call DBR. Come on, somebody say DBR. Daily Bible reading. If you've never read the book, The Power of, the Power of DBR, or Power of Daily Bible Reading, it's a good one, Okay. But let me just give you two quick thoughts. First, daily Bible reading is a disciple's food. And daily Bible reading is a disciple's light. Daily Bible reading is a disciple's food and it's a disciple's light. Matthew 4, 4. This was the whole scripture of our last series, right? Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread or food alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet your words taste to me. They're sweeter than honey. The uh, daily Bible reading isn't just food. It's good food. It's sweet food. It's food, the the good kind of sweet. (laughs) It's the kind of food that will not only make you healthy, but keep you healthy. Have you ever started eating right and all of a sudden you felt better? But then you didn't keep on eating right? And you didn't keep on feeling better. That's why it's daily. That's why it must be persistent, consistent reading of the Bible. If I read the Bible today and tomorrow, I might be doing well spiritually. But if I do it on a daily basis, consistently over months and years, I will be and remain a healthy disciple. Daily Bible reading. It's a a disciple's good food. It's also a disciple's light. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word 
is a lamp. Everybody say lamp. lamp. To guide my feet and a light. Say light. light. For my path. Now turn. You already turned around. Turn to somebody next to you and say, decisions, decisions. Turn to somebody else and say, decisions, decisions. I want you just to think about, just quickly, I want you to get it in your head. What's the difference between a lamp and a floodlight? What do they do? Because a lamp provides a certain type of light and floodlights provide another type of light. Because that is actually the feeling in this scripture. Okay? It says here that it's a lamp. The word of God is a lamp for our feet. In other words, in the word of God, we will find the little light that we need for our next step. Step by step. A lamp. You don't need a floodlight for your next step. You just need a little bit of light. And, and come on, say again. Decisions, de- decisions. Decisions, decisions. Can you say decisiones? Yes, I am bilingual. Okay. <laughs> when I make a decision about today, I'm not thinking necessarily about what I'm going to do 10 years from now. It will affect what happens 10 years from now. But how many of you need some help making decisions on a daily basis? There's the lamp right there. But the amazing thing about the Word of God is it's more than just a lamp. It's a light, and the, and, and, and the feeling in that word light for your path is like a floodlight. Now, what do floodlights do? Flip on the floodlight, and you can see out all the way through your yard into the neighbor's yard into the future, right? See, the, the, the Word of God not only provides daily guidance, but the Word of God also shines His light into our future. The Word of God gives us vision and hope for the future. So the word of God is a disciple's food and a disciple's light. I could talk about it all day long, every single service, but let me just say one more time. Daily Bible reading is a best practice. It's a best practice. Number two, teachableness. It's it's a mouthful, isn't it? Teachableness or being teachable. Nervous laughter and silence. That's because all of y'all are very teachable. You're ready for this. I believe it. Daily Bible reading is a best practice. Teachableness, I've seen it all over the world. People that are teachable are the best of the best disciples. Proverbs 19, 20, Amplified says, listen to counsel. Oh, let me read that again. Listen, listen to counsel. Receive instruction, because you can get counsel and instruction and not be listening and receiving. Well, accept correction. There have been many times that someone gave me counsel, instruction, and correction, but I wouldn't listen or receiving or, or accepting. And guess what? It didn't help me. And I had everything to lose. 
Teachableness will make you the best of the best type of disciple. Proverbs 12, 1. This is the, oh, I love the Passion Translation on this one. It says, to learn the truth, you must long to be teachable. Or you can despise correction and remain ignorant. You can remain, listen, you can despise correction and remain ignorant. A.K.A. if I'm not teachable, the outcome is ignorance. And it don't matter how much you've learned. You can never stop learning. The moment you stop learning, you stop being a disciple. Because that's what disciples do. We learn. And we follow. Jesus said it real good because he had a tendency of saying things right. Mark 5, uh, 5, 4, 25. Here's the amplified. For whoever has a teachable heart... To him, more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a yearning for the truth, even what he has will be taken away from him. Y'all, I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen in my own life. Where Have you ever used to know? Like I used to know that and then all of a sudden you had to relearn it because you weren't teachable. So it didn't stick. Like I used to know that and I even maybe even I used to apply it to my life. But all of a sudden I have to relearn that because I wasn't humble and teachable enough for it to stick in my life. And Jesus said we have to long to be teachable. It's, it's one thing to be teachable for a day. It's another thing to long to be, remain, live our life teachable. That's the way we grow. Now, The key, we're learning from here, teachableness. The key to growing in wisdom and truth is not being clever, it's being teachable. I know many people that are clever, but they're not wise. I know many people who've got got a lot of knowledge, but they're as immature as a child. All you gotta do is push a button and you realize, whoo, they know a lot, but they don't know nothing. Okay? I wrote a little rhyme because that's what I do. If I want to grow, I must know that I don't always know. I don't think it's there, but let me say it again. If I want to grow, I must know that I don't always know. But how many people, how many Christians think they just know? Or, or if I don't know, I'll learn it on my own. I don't need nobody to teach me. I'm only talking about things I've been through myself, y'all. I've been there. I used to be that way. And I was stupid. And I remained immature until this changed. If I want to grow, I got to know that I just don't know. I don't know it all. You ever been around to know it all? And it's just like, I ain't telling you anything because you already know it. Why waste my breath on trying to help you? Because all you're going to say is, I know. Yeah, I know. Because to be teachable, we've got to be humble. How do real Southerners say it? Humble. Humble. Liz has never heard that because she's a southerner in the making. (laughs) She's already so humble. 
Listen, listen to 1 Peter 5, 5. Again, I chose the Passion Translation for this one because it's so, it translates it so accurately. In the same way, you younger ones should willingly support the leadership of the elders. As in, you should do it as a decision, not because you're made to do it. You should willingly support in every relationship. Come on, somebody say every. What does every mean? All of them. Because a lot of times people think about being humble is you need to be humble. No, no. I need to be humble. It's in every relationship with those that are your elders, superiors, whatever, those that are, that are your equals, your peers, or even those that may be under you, okay, or following you. It says in every relationship, each of you must wrap around yourself the apron of a humble servant. Because God resists you when you're proud. Come here. Here is your destiny and I am God. Try to get there. How many of you want God to do that to you? We deal with enough with the devil resisting us. Having to resist him. But if you are proud, that's your destiny, and this is you trying to get here. No, sir, not going to let you, not going to help you because you're proud. But it says, but let's go, but, but multiplies grace and favor when you're humble. There's your destiny over there, son. Come on. about you but I don't want the resisting God (laughs) I want the God that encourages me and pushes me and helps me along but there's a key to that if I want to be teachable I've got to be humble pride said this is what pride says I don't need anybody to teach me I can learn everything on my own as my mentor pastor Joel Stock still says how's that working for you (laughs) I can learn everything on my own. I don't need anybody to help me learn. I don't need anybody to help teach. I don't need anyone to correct me. I don't need anyone to help me see what I can't see. How's that working for you? But teachable, teachableness says this. A teachable heart says, I need instruction. I need encouragement. I even need correction. And I pursue it from others. Just a little bit more on on this. If I want to be teachable, I must possess an accurate view of myself. Humility is possessing an accurate view of yourself. Not thinking more or less of yourself, but seeing yourself as you are. Okay? That's what humility is. And so humility is so important. I must have... You must have, we must have enough self-esteem to not feel threatened by someone who knows more than us. If you feel threatened when somebody else knows more than you, you got to work on your humility. Have enough self-esteem. We're all equals. 
We're all absolute equal. So there is really, truly no superior or inferior. That doesn't exist in the kingdom of God. Yes, there is authority, absolutely. But there is no superior and inferior. We're all equals. So none of us should feel threatened when someone knows more than us and wants to help us learn. Listen, I've experienced this. I've done it myself. I'm, I'm incriminating myself in every one of these today. And I've experienced with others. When someone feels threatened because you know more than them, you're not going to waste your time to help them. Or you'll try a few times and then go, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> Humility invites growth. Humility invites maturity. I need to embrace my need to learn from others. Listen, the best disciples I've seen that I've ever met pursue teaching and growth from others rather than waiting on someone to teach them. Teachableness isn't just, I'm going to sit down and listen to you. Teachableness needs to be proactive. I pursue teaching. I pursue maturity. I intentionally submit myself up under someone who can help me grow and learn more. Teachable disciples become the wisest, most progressive, most productive, most mature disciples. It's in the Bible but it's even more in real life. Seen it. Seen it. Number three. Best practice number one, daily Bible reading. Best practice number two, if you want to be not just a good but a great disciple, teachableness. Number three, we're going to pop the bubble. Gathering. Gathering. Let me just... Respectfully, lovingly, confront a lie. There is no such thing as online church. I'll get to you in a minute because this isn't for you, those of you watching online. This is for everybody in the house and all y'all that need to get to the house. All right. Church is the gathering of believers, not just a bunch of scattered believers all over the place. The word church, ecclesia, implies a gathering. It's those who are called out by God and gathered into a family. Church is the gathering of believers, not randomly scattered ones. Now listen, I have... I have been with Christians either working in ministry, missions, um, or simply traveling to other nations to learn and receive from other Christians all over the United States, Mexico, Central America, several countries in South America, Australia, Poland, Germany, that's Europe, Japan, that's Asia. So five continents, I'm only missing Africa, and I've yet to go to the Christian penguins in Antarctica. But if five out of the seven continents 
possess this reality, I'm pretty sure it's a reality. The most successful, healthy, productive Christians I've met in every country around the world, even in communist Cuba, are those who are committed to going to church, to being in church. And I am not saying this to try to get more butts in our seats. I'm saying this to help you. I've seen it. I'm not saying you can't follow Jesus and not be committed to going to church, but you won't last very long. We're a body. Bodies can't function when their body parts are scattered all over the place. I mean, maybe for a little while. I mean, listen, when this whole pandemic thing happened, I know we didn't know what was going on at first. It was like, so I, I understand the need to, 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 to close the doors for two or three weeks, but then it all became a little squirrely. Did anybody feel like, like something a little squirrely was going on? There are still places today, we've been praying about this, that still are not allowing the church to gather. Although other gatherings are being allowed. The church is not being allowed to gather. They'll take you. They will fine you. There's one city where the, 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 they gathered anyway, and they went in and they were towing people's cars from the church parking lot. We got to be careful with this, y'all. We need to make sure that we are standing up for our rights to gather before it gets worse. Oh, that was, that was a weak Amen. With all gentleness and respect, I'm telling you, with all gentleness and respect, those who, and, and, and listen, I'm not even talking about that. None of us could come to church in March and April. We just couldn't, okay? It was a thing we were trying to get figured out, and then we got it figured out. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Praise the Lord. Never again. Hmm. As for me and my house, never again. You can decide for yours. But listen, barring serious illness or travel out of town, I know, please, I know sometimes you get genuinely sick and you don't want to come and share the joy with others. That's great. Thank you. And I know that there are times we, we have to travel, we're out of town, whatever. I, I, I mean, I understand if you miss one, you know, miss one Sunday at church, you're in trouble. Give me a break. We, we've established that that's not real, okay? But true, successful disciples all around the world have this in common. They go to church all the time. They're committed to gathering together as the church. And the problem is those who only come to church when they feel like it or when it's convenient because just, ha just start having kids and it's not convenient on one Sunday. Am I right or am I right? It's never convenient and I'm the pastor, okay? <laughs> I'm the pastor and sometimes I don't feel like coming. But I love Jesus and I love y'all so much I do anyway. And I'm committed to it. But listen, if that's... If, if we come to church here and there when it's convenient, when we feel like it, when nothing's in the way, when there's no obstacles to overcome, we're going to struggle to be great disciples.
Well, that's really nice, Pastor Hunter. What about the Bible? I've told you what I've seen in Cuba, in Japan, in Australia, in Poland, in other places. Acts chapter 2. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Starting tomorrow, we have church every day. JK, okay. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Do you see a pattern? I do. They met together. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They ate together. Potluck July 5th. (laughs) The point is, Church is a gathering. It's a family. It's a body. It's not scattered. Hebrews 10.25 gives us a warning for the last days. Let us not neglect our what? Meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, said the guy who wrote this 1900 years ago. If it was near then, it's nearer now. Let's not forsake the gathering of believers. This is so deceptive. It's so dangerous. During this whole lockdown phase, again, I'm not saying I disagree that we had to do it for a while until we got a handle on this. I'm not saying that. Because safety, your safety and health was very, very important to us. We didn't gather for 12 weeks. But there's a deception in that if you let yourself think that way. And this is the deception. I can go to church on my couch in the comfort of my pajamas. That's not church. It was necessary for a few weeks, but that is not church. What's so deceptive about it? We become self-reliant and independent. And if, you, if, if your finger gets cut off and it's over there in the corner and says, I'm fine, I can rely on myself. I am independent of the body and I'm just fine. It's going to rot. Again, with all love, kindness, this is not so much because we have many people that watch us from out of town, that, that watch Encounter Church from out of town. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to all of us locals. And wherever you live, okay, those of you that do watch us from out of town, please gather with other believers. Those of you that live here in this area, gather with other believers. Make a commitment to being at church. We can learn online. You can go right now and listen to 1,600 different sermons online. But you cannot relate online. You can only learn online. We're going to continue to use technology to teach content. We're going to continue to use technology for learning. But relating only happens when there's gathering. Thank you for watching us online. But please gather wherever you live. 
If you live in another state, out of town or whatever, you watch Encounter Church online, find some disciples wherever you live and gather with them. And those of us that are here, you're gathered already, so you know what's up, right? But let's make a commitment to gathering, not just when it's convenient and easy. We're a body. And the body of Christ is dysfunctional when we don't gather, when we're not assembled. It just happens. One more thing I'll say about gathering, and and we'll get to it next Sunday. Gathering facilitates serving. It does. When we gather, it gives us the opportunity to serve one another. And serving leads to greatness. We're going to talk all about that next Sunday, so come back for that one, okay? Gathering helps us to serve, and serving leads needs to greatness. Just as we prepare to close, you know what my favorite thing is about gathering? Matthew 18:20 For where two or three gather together as my followers I am there My favorite thing about gathering is the presence the presence of Jesus Yes you can experience the presence of Jesus in an individual personal way I do every day but there's something about coming together He promised it He promised it. He would be here. He is here. Today we looked at three, it's not all of them, but it's three best practices to not just be an average or a good disciple, but to be a great disciple. The best you can be. Daily Bible reading, teachableness, and gathering. But in order to become a good, great, and eventually best practices disciple, you first got to be a disciple. You first have had to make the decision to follow Jesus. You first have had to call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Jesus is inviting you to follow him today. And again, like last Sunday, when you decide to follow Jesus, You're made righteous, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you receive a new life, you're born again. Today, if you haven't been born again, make the decision to follow Jesus. Confess Jesus as your Lord. Repent of your sins and turn your heart over to God. You'll be born again, you'll receive a new life, and this new life is to follow Jesus. In fact, why don't we just all take, uh, get to our feet, as we close Jesus is inviting you to follow him today if you are not yet following him anybody watching online Jesus is inviting you to follow him if you aren't yet following him repent turn away from your sin confess Jesus as your Lord he loves you he's calling you Maybe you've been born again before, but lately you haven't been following Jesus. You've been backslidden. Today is a great day. What better day than Father's Day to come home? Come back to the Father's home. If you have been struggling in your walk with God, you haven't been following Him like 
maybe you used to or maybe like you really know you're supposed to be following Jesus and you're just not there. Today is a day. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from this lifestyle of backsliding. Confess to the Lord. Let your heart return to the Father's house. You know, there's nothing magical about closing our eyes and bowing our heads, but it's so important that you personally make this decision. So would you just take a second, just close your eyes. I want you to just look on the inside, not what everybody else is doing and not what's going on around you, but look inside your heart and even say, Lord, help me see the reality of my heart today. If you would just be honest with yourself, and you know, you say, that's me. I've never been born again, but I want to be born again today. Or I've, I've received Jesus before, but I have been backslidden. I haven't really been following him lately. And today I want to come home to the Father. I want to make a, re- a decision to either receive Christ for the first time or rededicate my life to him. Come back home. If either of those scenarios is you and you say, yes, that's me today. I want to follow Jesus. I want you to just pop your hand up really quick. I want to know who it is so I know who I'm praying with. Say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. All right, for those of you in the room that are making this decision and anybody watching online, I'm going to pray a prayer. But I ask you, pray your own prayer and use your own words and let it come from your heart. How about we all together say it so that we can support those that are making this decision today. Lord Jesus Christ, I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. Thank you, Jesus, for coming for me dying for me on the cross you shed your blood to forgive my sins give me a new life Jesus today I say yes to you I confess you as my Lord and I want to follow you all the days of my life I turn away from sin I turn away from this world and I give my heart to you Save me. Today, I'm born again. Today, I'm home with the Father. Help me, Holy Spirit, to follow Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.